Blog Talk Radio. Hello, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. This has been one of our better weeks, I think. A lot of bad things happening, but a lot of interesting, good things, exciting things. We're going to cover items going from sports to politics to life in general tonight. Uh, Not so much on the downside, some things on the upside. Uh, Not that bad of a week again as things go. Let's start with sports, the final four in basketball. Uh, The place, collegiate basketball, the top of the line. Uh, He who is number one, numero uno in college basketball was this past week the final four. Uh, Let's talk about Syracuse University first. I'm going to be quick on this. You might not like sports. I happen to love basketball, college basketball. I am a diehard Syracuse University fan. I went to law school there. I bleed orange, as we are. We we say at Syracuse uh, when we're diehard fans, such as I am. Syracuse made the Final Four this year. Uh, we got beaten uh, the first round. There's only two rounds. We were the last four teams standing, though, out of 64. North Carolina killed us before they went on to play uh, Villanova last night. Uh, I'm excited, though, that Syracuse made it this far, and I was not unhappy with the defeat. The reason being, uh, I have followed college basketball, Syracuse basketball and football, closely since the opening of the Carrier Dome in 1981. And Syracuse and all those, what's that, 35 years, 36 years, has only had three bad years, three bad basketball years. A pretty good record, great coach Jim Beheim knows how to pick talent, knows how to scout, knows how to put the team together, knows how to coach. However, this was one of the bad years. We did not even win 20 games. I did not think we were going to get into the big tournament, the NCAA tournament. I thought we were going to be second-class citizens and end up in the NIT. I was wrong. Syracuse got selected. And I said, even after we got selected, we don't belong there. It's just one of those years we didn't have the quality basketball players. They didn't come together. The kids had quality. They did not come together. Bad year. And I said we didn't belong, and I didn't think we'd go very far. And lo and behold, we crucified and killed the first four teams we played and ended up in the final four. So I'm proud of them. I was not disappointed when North Carolina beat us Saturday night. We came farther than anyone anticipated. We overachieved. I'm proud of my team. Very proud of them. Turned out, you know, what was an otherwise poor season turned out to be a great season, which now brings me to last night's game, the final game of the NCAA tournament, the last two team standing in the tournament, Villanova and North Carolina. Let me tell you, my friends, what a basketball game. One of the finest basketball games I've ever seen. With 13.5 seconds left in the, the whole by the way, the whole game was the last 20 seconds. <laughs> With 13.5 seconds left to play, uh, North Carolina is winning by, losing rather, by three points. And they end up making a three-pointer. The, the North Carolina player had tripped. He's falling down. He throws up this long shot. Lo and behold, it goes in the basket. And now it is a tie game, all right? Syracuse, not Syracuse. Oh, I love Syracuse. See, I got Syracuse into the final game. Villanova had 4.7 seconds left. They had the ball. 
The game is tied. And guess what? And they made a three-pointer. They came up with a play that I can't even describe. You had to see it. And if you have the opportunity to watch this on the Internet somehow, watch this last three-pointer that was were made, was made with 4.7 seconds left. It went in the basket, one of the greatest shots, greatest plays I have ever seen. And as the buzzer went off, the ball went through the hole, went into the basket, and Villanova won 77-74. Great basketball, great game. Either team could have won. 74,000 people watching that game right at the stadium itself. I'm happy for Jay Wright, their coach. Great coach, been around a long time, deserves to have a Final Four team and a winner. And also the Big East. Syracuse was in the Big East until two years ago. And now we're in the uh, ACC, but I'm I'm sorry we left the Big East. It was wonderful basketball there. And this shows that the Big East is still a strong conference and can play with the big guys. So much for basketball last night and over the weekend. Now I'm going to talk to you about a very sad thing, two things back-to-back that were said. Interestingly, both involved the state of Texas. I can recall when abortion was first an issue. I'm going back the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, uh, and, you know, it was a big issue. Is When does life begin? Well, I was one of the people that thought life began at the moment of inception, conception, in the womb of the mother when the egg and the semen, the little guys met, okay? Uh, and that's life. So now if we permit abortion, then that's murder. However, the and what bothered me very much about the issue at the time was that if we're going to permit the murder, the killing of the young, the unborn today, well, tomorrow we're going to permit the killing of the older people, the elderly. And when that comes around, I'm going to be one of the elderly. And as it turns out, I am one of the elderly. I'm 80 years old. And let me give you an example of what's going on now. Over money, seniors are being permitted to die a day or two before they should. Now, I think you're entitled to every second of every day uh, that you can stay alive. You should not go early to save a buck for somebody. And here's what's happening, my friends. We're in Frisco, Texas. Nurses were ordered, nurses working for hospice were ordered to hasten the death of patients, hospice patients. Now, you know, hospice comes in, great group. They come in three, four days, two days before somebody's going to die. They put them at ease. They make them rest. They help the family uh, and so forth. Well, turns out that the Novus Health Corps Services, the CEO of that group, And by the way, this whole scenario I'm explaining to you now is under heavy FBI investigation. The company provides, you know, health care services for the terminally ill and elderly patients. Nurses began receiving text messages, okay, directing them to overdose the patients with medication, often morphine, to hasten their deaths. You heard me. Overdose the patients with medication so that with morphine, so they will die earlier than they should. 
And I quote, you must need to make this patient go bye-bye, the CEO wrote to the nurses. You need to make this patient go bye-bye, find patients who would die within 24 hours, and move their death time ahead by overdosing them with morphine. And the overdose of morphine was sometimes four times the amount even permitted. It would kill anybody, even a healthy person. Now, why did the CEO want this done? Money, 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 profit. It's called the aggregator cap. The longer the treatment given to a hospice patient, the longer the hospice patient lives. The longer the treatment, the prolonged treatment, the more expensive it is. It costs more money. And who's paying for this? We've got to go back to Obamacare now. I'm a supporter of Obamacare, but there are things in there that suck, that are not right, not healthy, not moral, uh, just not proper. And what it says is if you, a person lives too long under your hospice care, more than two days, three days, I'm not sure what the time limit is, then we're not going to pay you for the extra days, hospice, for the work you're doing. You do it for nothing. And if it goes on even longer than that, then we're going to have a charge back, and you have to pay the money back to the insurance company because you kept them too long. Now, this doesn't sound fair, does it? Uh, somebody's got to die because an insurance company made the decision that you've got two days or three days. Then you should be dead. If you're not dead, then hospice doesn't get paid for the next couple of days. And if it goes on beyond that, hospice is going to have to give back money. They've already been paid for the first couple of days of caring for that patient. Bad. People are being killed for money, 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 money. So this is what's going on. And this is the CEO said, gee, I'm losing money in effect, and I've got to do this in order for people to do it. Fortunately, her people did not do it. They refused to do it. However, those emails that she sent to them with the instructions are now in the hands of the FBI, and it is being investigated. Staying in Texas, I'm now going to Austin, Texas. I've got to tell you something. Sometimes government is stupid and asinine. We know this. Uh, and I don't not government. We, we need an organized society and so forth. But government is wacky today. And here's a perfect example of how crazy government can be. Remember the lemonade stand you had as a child? They had a lemonade stand a couple of times. Uh, there's a little kid down the corner from me here in Key West. He's got a lemonade stand out there every weekend, a little box. He's got a pitcher of lemonade, some paper cups, and he waves as you go by, and he's got a sign, lemonade for sale. Uh, well, here's how it works in Austin, Texas. They consider a kid's lemonade stand, you know what I'm talking about, as a temporary food service. And as a temporary food service, there are guidelines, legal guidelines imposed by the Common Council City Commission of Austin, Texas. Okay? And it's strange because what they do to these kids, they're burdening them. These are kids selling lemonade for a nickel, okay? And this is an example of what's going on that's too much government. This is a perfect example of too much government because Austin says, all foods must be obtained from an approved source. Potable water for cleaning and sanitizing must be used. This is the Nicola Glass lemonade stand. Three containers for cleaning must be there. Sanitation solution, chlorine, levels between 50 and 100 ppm. 
and a gravity-type water dispenser for hand-washing. And onward and onward and onward. Would you believe this? The little kid with the stand selling lemonade, this is the burden that's been imposed on him for the last two years. Now, they must also have a license, these kids. $425 for the license. Plus, they need a temporary food permit because lemonade's considered a food under Austin uh, local laws, and that costs $35. Now comes May 7th. Did you know that May 7th is National Lemonade Day? I didn't know this, but May 7th is National Lemonade Day. And the city fathers in Austin said, well, because it's National Lemonade Day, the rules we have, the laws we passed, will not apply to the kids the children's lemonade stand. However, however, it's the however, there's always a however, the parents of the child running the lemonade stand must sign a waiver, release, and hold harmless, okay, clause protecting the organizers of Lemonade Day from any type suit because these kids might screw up in the operation of their Nicola Glass lemonade stand. This is government at its worst, imposing itself on an all-American activity. Hard to believe. I want to go to Paris, France now. I have written, uh, I wrote a column on this in Conk Life about a year ago. I have talked about it on the show once or twice over the past year. I have uh, spoken about it, written about it several times in my daily blog over the past year also. I'm talking about Muslims in France. Muslims have gone into other countries. And I've taken the position that Muslims have immigrated into France, and they've taken over areas of France. Well, the first time I said it, I got a lot of, st- lot of flack back. Oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, because even in Paris, in France, they don't admit this is going on. I said there are neighborhoods where the Muslims have totally taken control. They have their own courts now, Shahiria law courts. And they have their own police. And the French police, the Parisian police, are afraid to go into those areas. They have instructions, directions not to go in from their own superiors. Avoid a problem, okay? Now, you know, last year there was a big explosion, terrorist explosion in Paris. Uh, People are afraid. And not everybody can run away, get the hell out of France who's afraid. But a millionaire can. And this is what was just reported. 10,000 millionaires, you heard me, 10,000 millionaires in 2015, last year, left France for other places because they feared the Muslim influence and the terrorism and bad things that were going on. Their police could not take control, the Sharia law courts, et cetera, et cetera. 10,000 millionaires in France, most of them were from Paris, by the way, amount to 3% of France's millionaire population. And where did they go? They went to the UK, the United States, Canada, Australia, and Israel. Most have escaped to, I might might as well use that term, to Australia. That has turned out to be the most popular and favorite destination of these millionaires. Again, the cause is the tensions between the French police and the Muslims in certain neighborhoods. We are not hearing enough about it. We're not hearing about it on our media, okay? We don't get it here in the United States, and I don't know why. 
But this is what's happening, and the people with the dough are the first ones that are packing up and getting the hell out of France. Let me go now to GMOs. I've written about this. I've talked about this for well over a year, at least two years. Genetically modified organisms. We know that foods are being grown, animals are being fed, uh, and they're using genetically modified organisms to do this. Chemicals, treatments that will make things grow faster and cheaper, need less water, etc., less feed for the cows, what have you. Well, what's happening is this. People are aware in this country, all over the world people are aware, that foods with GMOs could very well be bad for you. No one knows if they're going to kill you five years from now or ten years from now, or kids are going to be born with half an arm missing. Don't laugh. This is what happens with these things. And, and so people are saying, I don't want to buy products containing GMOs. Well, let me tell you what's going on in the United States right now. The Republicans, I can't say the Democrats in this case, is the Republicans in Congress are pushing a bill to prohibit, to ban the states and companies who manufacture fruit products from putting on their product the label GMOs. In other words, they don't want, this bill would prohibit people from knowing that there are genetically modified organisms in the food they are purchasing. And people say, we have a right to know if there's bad stuff in the food that might hurt me or my family. At the same time that our government is trying to protect the Monsantos and everybody else of this world that are are growing this crap, uh, General Mills announced about two or three months ago that they were going to label all their food. I think it starts August 3rd. They contain GMOs. It will be on their label. They are doing this. of their own volition. And I thought, and I complimented them, this is a great step forward for a company that manufactures foodstuffs as General Mills. It was announced this week that Mars and Kellogg's, Mars and Kellogg's are also joining General Mills and have said we are voluntarily going to label our food products to let the public know that they they contain GMOs. Vermont has passed a law, I talked about this several months ago, mandating GMO labeling, mandating GMO labeling. The battle's going on. That's all I wanted to share with you. The battle's going on. Representatives in Congress are against the people of the United States because they don't want anybody to know uh, if there's GMOs in what they're eating by trying to get this bill passed in Congress. And uh, yet the good guys, there are good guys out there. There are good guys, General Mills, Mars, Kellogg's, the state of Vermont, who are saying, no, the people have a right to know. This is a health issue, a comfort issue. The battle goes on, my friends, but that is what is happening. My column this week in Conk Life, and this column comes out Wednesday, it is the stands Wednesday, is when education fails, a nation fails. When education fails, a nation fails. And basically, the thrust of my, my, my column is, we're going downhill, folks. Our education system sucks. And, because, and if we don't turn out smart students, it's going to affect us as a nation economically and socially down the road. It already is. It already is. Do you know that right now, the United States ranks 29th 
29th out of 55 industrial and industrialized nations in math, science, and reading. Would you believe that? We are competing globally with the rest of the world. We, we rank 29th, 29th. And I, I, I approached this issue through high school and through college. High school dropouts is a measure of how our academic system is going at, at the lower level. 1.2 million students a year are dropping out of high school, 1.2 million. That's an average of 7,000 a day in the United States. Now, Bush, too, came up with no child left behind. Now we have Common Core. I will tell you, and I wrote this in my, in my column that's coming out, both programs sucked. They are doing more to hurt the American educational system than help it. I, I've also pointed out, and everyone should be aware of this, that every time we have a Republican president or Republican Congress, they want to get rid of the Department of Education. They no longer want that, uh, that department as part of the president's cabinet. And why? They want to free up the money. Uh, you know, then they can spend the money. Congress can allocate that money for other things that are more important to them, like wars. I'm not being facetious. Think about it like wars. And they say, well, let the states take care of education. It's a local issue. The problem, my friends, is the states don't have enough money to take care of the educational programs that are required to turn out a first-class graduate. So we've got a problem there. Now, Getting to college, I'm just going over some of the things in this column that are interesting. It used to take four years to get a bachelor's degree. Now 37% of our college graduates take six years to graduate. It's not a money issue. It's a laziness issue. They say, why take five or six credit courses a semester? I can take three or four. It's easier, so it takes me a couple of extra years. Six years, 37% of the kids to get a bachelor's degree. Uh, there is an interesting article this past weekend. I didn't know this was going to come out, this article. I wish I'd waited a week longer before I wrote my column. But it's by Catherine Rumpel. She's a Washington Post columnist, and she wrote, United States College GPA Arms Race. U.S. College GPA Arms Race. And what did she say, basically? We're turning out mediocre students today, but these students that are mediocre are getting superlative grades. Do you know, and I said this is in my column, this is in my column, our colleges are giving out A's like there's no tomorrow. Whereas in 1940, 15% of uh, college students got A's. Now 40, in 2013, 45% are getting A's. And why are they getting the A's? And this is number one. The hierarchy of the, the academia, the administration, has told the professors, you've got to give these kids A's. Their parents and or the students themselves are spending a lot of money to go to college. They've got to get something for their money. And if they're not going to get A's, not as many are going to come or stay. The other thing is, now, under law, we have an evaluation system in our colleges where the students evaluate their teachers. What student's going to give his teacher a good grade, a <laughs> good evaluation, if he got a C instead of an A? All right? This is what's going on in your colleges today. So that these kids, when your kids come home and say, Ma, I got all A's this semester, it's a crock. They got all C's under a proper standard of evaluation. Okay, so that's what's going on there. And all I'm saying to you is we are falling behind. 
And in 20 years, we're going to be way behind. You know, we think we're number one in the world. We aren't number one. I sound like Donald Trump now, and I don't mean to, because I think he's a disaster. But what's happening is we're not number one, and we're not going to be number one down the road, because the other countries are turning out graduates who have smarts, and our graduates don't have the smarts necessary. Who's going to be the next one in this country, you know, to put together a Facebook uh, or something like that. It, it just, we don't have these kids anymore. We don't have them because they're not getting the proper educational training. Which brings me now to a new law in New York City they're working on. Would you believe this is a problem in New York? This is shocking, okay? Uh, new York City is coming up with a new law, okay, because taxi drivers and hired car drivers are making sexual comments, sexual comments to their female passengers, and not only sexual comments, this is what blows me out, ejaculating on them. They are ejaculating on the female passengers. And this has become a real problem in New York City, a cab driver ejaculating on a female passenger. In 2014, they had 15,000 such complaints Sexual comments on ejaculations gone up to 21,000 last year. That's a 6,000 uh, rise in one year. And ejaculations, again, are part of that increase. They're saying, the city's going to say, we're going to fine these drivers, these cab drivers, $1,000. I'm saying throw them in jail. They do something like that. What the hell's going on? We don't even have the proper mentality as to how to punish. <coughs> Excuse me. Want to go to Saudi Arabia? And homosexuals. We know the Saudis don't like anything that's, well, from their perspective, slightly wrong. They're our friends. Remember, the Saudis are our friends, Saudi Arabia. Uh, it, it is thought that they helped finance 9-11. Uh, we know that 17 of the 21 uh, terrorists who uh, blew up uh, the um, Twin Towers were citizens of Saudi Arabia. And never forget, my friends, that it was Saudi Arabia that gave us $4 a gallon gasoline, for which we must thank them very much. Well, now they're getting upset with homosexuality, more so than normal, because they're saying Facebook and social media are spiking the homosexual rate in, in Saudi Arabia. They say specifically, and I quote, Facebook and social media are turning people gay. Would you believe that? Facebook and social media are turning people gay. We had an argument in this country for years whether you were born this way or was an after-birth uh, uh, thing acquired thing. But now they're saying, no, they found the answer. It's Facebook and social media. And they're going to execute homosexuals as they discover them. Donald Trump, <laughs> he's screwing up again all over the place. Uh... I'm looking at TV right now. I just walked over to look at my set because Wisconsin results are in. Cruz beat Trump. Sanders beat Hillary. Okay, wild, isn't it? Uh, Cruz has screwed up big. He screwed up with the women again. First he says they're shit. He used that term, not mine. And uh, now he says if they uh, have an abortion, they should be punished. And then he backed off and said only the doctor and nurses should. Uh, the other thing is, he says, why? Why are we protecting South Korea? Why do we protect Japan? Let's 
show them how to make a nuclear weapon, and let them defend themselves. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, isn't that wonderful? I'm sure that Putin and I'm sure that that nut up there in North Korea will listen to uh, it's going to cause a nuclear war. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And the other problem is he says he's finally he's come up with this plan, by the way, to save the economy. He's going to slash taxes to the bone especially corporate taxes. He's going to pay off the $19 the nineteen trillion debt in eight years, and he says the economy will roar. And why? Because he's going to make America great again. My friends, this guy's a nut. I know a lot of people like him, but he's appealing not to your, the best part of you. It's not someone we should support. He's going to get us into deep shit trouble. I will use the term. Okay, that's the show for this week. I thank you for joining me. Uh, I like doing the show, and I'm glad two people returned to listen to the show. Uh, As you know, and I know most of you listen to this in the archive version, it's archived immediately on Black Talk Radio and YouTube, and tomorrow morning it will be linked to my Key West Lou website, and I thank the, the many of you who joined me. My book, The World Upside Down, has been out for two years. I'm going to suggest something, because the book is good. You like this show, you like the book. If, if you're new to the show or you've come to the show in the past year and never bought the book, go to Amazon.com and buy it. It costs 99 cents to get it printed on the Internet for you, or 3.99, I think, to buy it in soft cover. You will enjoy the book. I would like to share with you my thoughts that are contained in that book. Thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>